This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in the Palatial 680 The Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Across from me, Josh Bagriansky, Sam Franco, flat tire. So couldn't make it tonight. Nonetheless, we're bringing you a Thursday night podcast because we love you and I'm back. Well, what are you doing here, Eric? Before we even, before the we trip, even go anywhere. The trip didn't anywhere. have an end date. You, got, you guys knew that the trip had an end date. I just feel like for you to come back at the, you know, for things to suddenly start going well for Atlanta United when you leave and just to selfishly come back. Selfishly. When you seem to be having a pretty good time. I mean, it looked like you were dining on some wonderful fine meat. Meanwhile, we're waiting in line to get Popeye's chicken sandwiches here. I would like to discuss Uh, the man meat that I did eat. I mean, it looked amazing. The food looked incredible, man. We'll just lay it on me, So, okay, they have have these restaurants that, you know what an asado is, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So they have these restaurants where essentially they bring you, they, they obviously cook it themselves, and they essentially bring you the meat that they've cooked. You have not having done any of the work, you're just enjoying the, the, the good Some, food that they're right. cooking. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really exist here. And I thought, holy moly, if you look at my Instagram, Eric321, A-I-R-I-K-321, you can see the pictures from, from like the... the it's it's unfair to call it a bowl, but that's essentially what, like what's bigger than what's like a more fancier version of a bowl? Like that's bigger, <laughs> like a big like a, bowl. <laughs> I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I, well, so like, uh, is it like you order the meat, or is it like you sit down and they just bring you, you know, whatever? No, so they like, bring it. They does, bring it. The, the two process? restaurants that I went to, they brought it all at once. Mm-hmm. They just sat it down on the table, and then we just started. Like you wouldn't in, in an asada with your friends or family, you would start picking at you know the different the different meats that are on the table. Mm-hmm. Um. I tried chinchulin for the first time. What's that? That is, uh, I thought it was the the, the intestine of the cow, mm-hmm. but apparently, at least my dad was telling me it's the intestine of the lamb. I still think it's, you can do it with the cow. What, what, what chinchulin? Chinchulin. Chinchulin. Is it chinchulin. good? Oh, it's delicious. Mm, okay. Very, what what, what was fatty. your favorite meat down there that maybe, you know, not something, uh, not, not something obvious that we would think of or, or the way it was prepared or something so like that? My, my uncle... Um, made uh, he did an asylum with a, with a lamb, mm. and so <laughs> funny story. I love lamb. We're, so uh, he he lives out. He's he's retired, and and he he goes. Hey, you want to come over me to to the butcher shop? And in Uruguay, they're called carnicerias, and so these carnicerias, you they're usually just you walk into a store like you would a a, a, a I don't know like a like a like a small shop in a, in a in a strip mall or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, we actually went to this dude's farm. And we asked for a lamb, or he yeah, my, talk about my, organic. My uncle asked wow. for a lamb, and the dude w- <laughs> goes into his freezer, pulls out a, ho- a a whole lamb, drops it on the table, wow. and he goes, "Which part do you want?" And then he starts wow. cutting it right there. Hopefully, no animal rights people listening. Wow, that's amazing. So you literally got to pick your meat, and we got to pick my man meat. Wow, you got to pick your man meat. Well, so again, so what are you doing here? Why did you come back? <laughs> I don't know, you were in the question. land of wonderful meat. That's There's great question. football in Uruguay as well. Your family hadn't seen you in 20 years. You're surrounded by love. We all hate you here. Why did you come back? Money goes pretty far. You down could have there. just stayed. 
Yeah, right. And right, exactly. There's, no, no. Gotta, so, is so the exchange close, rate rate in our in your favor? It's it's uh it's one to thirty five, <laughs> which apparently is better than Thailand. So but what are you doing here? Only, Why did so you come the, back? The only thing that's really cheap, God. at least from what I saw, the only thing that's really cheap is food. Everything else is expensive. Everything else is expensive to the point where no one buys hmm. that stuff there unless they absolutely have to. Like 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 a beer is really expensive. No no no. Or, that that or would like be clothing. Like, consider that food. Okay. Anything that you can ingest, just consider that food. But then, like, clo- like, like clothing so is clothing expensive? Ex- is expensive. Huh. Children's toys is really, are really expensive. Hmm. Like, stupid expensive. Like, if we had those prices here, no one would buy toys. Wow. Um, is the dentist really expensive, just based on what Luis well, Suarez's uh, teeth uh, look uh, like? <laughs> Apparently, all the medical care, all, all uh, I don't know. If no, they have, included, like, really they affordable health care. They, have, they and, have free health care, free yeah. college, free... The thing is that there's no jobs. That's what I, that's what they were telling oh, me. Cl- the classic, yeah. It takes yeah. six months to be a journalist over there. Well, it's only six months. But good luck finding a job. Well, you can just make up whatever you want, right? We can just, we can just oh, PT Martinez unhappy again. <laughs> oh, that's more of an Argentina, more of an Argentina rumor. So, well, I don't want to get in too much into Uruguayan politics, but if you have a second look up, I can't remember the name of the president or prime minister. Is like fascinating. Like used to be like a farmer or something oh, yeah, like uh, from that. From Uruguay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, forget yeah. the name too, but uh, yeah. It's like a fascinating dude. Donates like all of his salary yeah. to I don't even know what. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah lives yeah. on a farm. Very, like, very like, meager, seriously. Meager lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, like like really, really cool. Like uh, yeah, but I'm glad you had fun. I don't know why you're back, but I, well, look, can I tell you? I, in Uruguay, I did everything I could to watch Campeones Cup. Which we won. What was the exp- were you able to get it landing? Would it have to be a stream so, on the internet? How, so what was Campionas the accessibility? Cup, yes. Com- Campionas Cup, yes. Uh-huh. Um, the Orlando City match, I actually, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't watch it because uh, it was my last night there, and mm-hmm. I kind of had. Yeah, to, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't have a chance to sit down and actually watch it, but they did have it on TV. They had obviously have ESPN down there, and they were showing ESPN or uh, no MLS kidding. matches. They they show. MLS matches pretty regularly, which That's I thought was great. pretty cool. They everyone knew who Atlanta United was. Or really? What so United what? Was. What? What sort of feedback did you did, did people say when you, they heard you from Atlanta? Oh, Atlanta United, or did you no, mention no, no. Atlanta so United? No, no, no. So I mentioned Atlanta they, United, uh-huh. and then they were like, "Oh yeah," and then I started mentioning players like, "Oh yeah," and then Tata Martino, "Oh yeah." So what did they know without you? Before you interjected with your knowledge, and of course they know a lot of the names, familiar. So South what American they what names. they know? What did they know just off the top of their head? What is known? What they know there? is that the league is growing. But that's good. So again, the brand is known. They know the MLS is growing. They know, so they obviously they know the Uruguayan play, players that are over that are in, in yeah, MLS. Yeah, Diego yeah. Rossi, yeah, uh, right. Brian Rossi. Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Nico right. Ladero. Uh-huh. Um, I forget who the other one that's Nunez. I think is making his way. Okay. Over. I think mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, no, they know they know what Atlanta United is. I showed them the stadium and everything. They were very impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to I went to all the well, the, the three big soccer stadiums. So what are the three? Is it Peñarol, Nacional, and then the International so, Stadium, or is there a third? Club? Yeah, there's the, the there's the Estadio Centenario, which is the the big one uh-huh. where where Uruguay plays yeah. and and whatnot. Um, then you've got uh, yeah, you've got the one for Peñarol, you got the one for Nacional. Peñarol is called the Campeón de Siglos. So. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. It was a fantastic time. Yeah, I'm glad you had fun. Again, I just don't understand why the trip had to end and why you came back. So here's my thing now is because. We might be on to something with reversing the Eric curse, even with him no, 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 being time out, time here. Out. So I watched Campionis. This is what I was going at. I watched Campionis Cup. We won. You're out of the country, though. I, I still watched the game. 
People don't watch me. People don't want me watching the, whole, the game. Like, it's not cheating if you're in another country. It's you're not you're not uh, you're win, not uh, jinxing win, the team if you're we in another. We win Orlando City, and I really couldn't watch it. I watched the last five minutes, and I watched the last five minutes not knowing the score because I was like at a bad angle and I couldn't see. Oh really? Oh, I saw Julian Gressel at one point just take the ball into the corner. I was like, we must be winning. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's what I knew. Um, and I get back. We win U.S. Open Cup. But here's the thing: the, the curse is reversed. I don't. People. I, I think it's something that we have done. You admitted yourself that you are the god of dread, that you are the dread god himself. So I think we I did just, something. I, that, I accepted the title that was given to me. I, well, the, the title that you earned. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, the title is your. I mean, it's not like it came out of nowhere. Something happened when Eric was gone. I really think the listeners came together. Uh, so before the match, uh, the Minnesota match, the Open Cup match, and we're right about to actually talk about soccer. I promise. Uh, one of our listeners came up to me named Justin. And uh, shout out to Justin, came up, real nice guy, said he enjoyed the show. As he's walking away, he turns around, he said, oh, wait a second, <laughs> is Eric back? <laughs> I, I said, yeah, he's here, he's here, he's back, you know, and he's like, oh, God, I don't know. And I just think that I was, I the was knowledge not- of you being responsible and us putting our heads together and showing the community as listeners and just identifying the problem is coming from Eric, I think that has reversed some of your curse, and you're really going to have to work hard to get it back. Because if you are the dread god, I am suddenly. I don't want it. Well, it's yours. It's yours, my man. Changing my Twitter name to no longer the dread god. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) but I mean, you know, so I think that we might have overcome uh, the dread god, and I'm much less afraid of the dread god now that we've been able to overcome Er Eric, the dread god. Mark mark this: the moment where all all goes to hell (laughs) for Atlanta United. It might be. No, don't blame me. Your confidence, me. Look, your confidence is going I to send say I'm this con- all I just, away. I just think we're on to something, y'all. I really do. So let's let's keep putting our heads together. Come up, you know, talk to me, talk to Eric, talk to Sam if you see him. And I just think the community, the togetherness of us banding together against Eric, is really going a long way towards saving our club. And that means we get good audio quality on the podcast because, as you saw last week, Sam and I have absolutely no idea what we're doing. So we, can, I think that we found a way to get good audio quality with Eric involved. Well, we've always done that. And also, yeah, that's we've always. Known that, <laughs> and and also on top of that, maybe we can actually get some positive results. So shout out to Justin, you saved the day. You reversed uh, the bad juju of Eric, and uh, I think that we can we can keep this keep this boat rolling, man. I think that we can keep you. Uh, Vamos muchachos. We'll see. Although you weren't in physically in the building, I understand. Yeah, I wasn't. So I I, so, I, I had some personal stuff going on, and so I couldn't make it to the game, unfortunately. So maybe look, maybe that. I, had something to do with the great success that Atlanta United had uh, in the U.S. Open Cup so, final. Yeah, we don't know that for sure. Eric was not actually so, in the building. You've got that going for you, people. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think the next month is going to be critical watch. with respect to to Eric uh, destroying or not destroying after this, our club. After this hiatus, I'll go to the first match, we'll lose, and then it'll be like, oh, he was at the game. This is a sign. I didn't want us to lose, but it would have been so funny if we did. <laughs> It would have been so funny, especially. Oh my gosh, I was thinking about the ways. The, the so let's talk about U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the sport. Uh, it's work. a fantastic, fantastic. Lady United wins. Fantastic. Lady United yeah, wins a, a two-one win over uh, Minnesota United. Uh, another trophy in the trophy case for for Darren Eels, uh, for Frank DeBoer, uh, for Atlanta United, and uh, I think well deserved. I think they they played their butts off. I think they. Uh, Pity Martinez is is in the last few weeks. Last few matches has really, and I think the introduction of the reintroduction of Barco into the starting eleven has really opened up space for Pity Martinez to in the middle to do what he's capable of doing. Um, I think that 
Pini Martinez, it's to me it's clear at least that without someone like a Barco, it could have even been an Almiron should he have would, if he had stayed. Without someone that can kind of dominate the way that Barco, the, that anyone, the, without someone that can dominate the middle of the field, he's he kind of gets lost. He kind of gets uh, uh he, he gets he gets defended too easily and and so with with Barco reintroducing the lineup, you give a guy like Pity Martinez a little more space to work with. Um, you give defenders another threat to worry about. Um, and I mean, because you saw Pity Martinez was instrumental in both the goals. Yeah, obviously, with, obviously with the with the with the pass to LGP, which was a fantastic pass, threading the needle like that between two defenders, and then obviously getting the uh, getting the goal for the second mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah, the last few weeks he's really he's really he's really changed my mind, my overall perception of who he is as a soccer player. I'm just hoping it continues. Not just that, I'm really I'm really happy to see the level of 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 effort that he's putting in when he's not on yeah. the ball. Yeah. Defending, trying to 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 add pressure on 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 a back line. It's like Barco got in, reintroduced in this lineup and it's like, "All right, well, I guess this is what I should be doing." And he started mimicking the things that Barco did. Mm-hmm. Or someone got into Pity's ear, which maybe a little bit of both, um or maybe just Barco just leading by example and Pity's just following suit. Yeah, I so, mean, I I'm very I'm very happy with where the team's at now. I'm glad this is happening now. Because this is how you want a team like Atlanta United to, to to play to finish up the season heading into the playoffs. You want them playing their best soccer heading into the the last stretches of the season, heading into the playoffs, so that they can hopefully ride that momentum into a, a good run into into uh, you know fingers crossed, hopefully a, a second MLS Cup uh, appearance. Yeah, I think that particularly when you look at. Uh when you look at PT Martinez, I think a big part of about the way he looks. And by the way, it just came out today. So this, and we're going to preview Philadelphia later. But uh, Ezekiel Barco is expected, son of a gun, uh, from some of some of what's been reported today, uh, to be out against the Philadelphia Union this weekend. Although, we're, I mean, I'd imagine it's a. It's Did I do a, this? Did I do this? Yeah. I, <laughs> Did I? Was this me? Did I do this? Wow. <laughs> So, but as Eric, ten seconds back into the into to, the to be fair into the studio, and, and this is me. The reports were from four or five hours ago, but I'm going to stick with Eric. Literally, <laughs> just injured Ezekiel Barco as we were on the air, um, and he's had some nagging stuff. I, I'd imagine it's nothing too serious. But I think another big thing with PT Martinez, because we've talked a lot about how Barco's return has kind of set the table for him to uh, do what he does in more dangerous areas already. So yeah. He's not receiving the ball deeper. He's only having to dribble one guy, for instance, and get him behind instead of two, three, four. But the other part is, and, and, you know, a lot of people talk about Frank DeBoer's tactics slightly changing. He is a g- very good player in the press. He, uh, I think he had three tackles in the, in the final against Minnesota, which is great for an attacking player like that. And I think one of the things that <clears throat> is making it look like he's a more energetic player, he's more involved than he was before, aside from his normal adaptation and all that to the league, is... With the high press now, you're seeing how effective he is tackling the ball and getting forward and, and, and taking the ball off opponents or even coming back and recovering. And I think that now that you're seeing Atlanta United, and it's not all out press like it was last year, but now that you're seeing a more, and we've talked about this a lot, a little bit more vertical, a little more fast tempo, a little more aggressive, you're seeing P.T. Martinez kind of get into his comfort zone a little bit. And a big part for me is, like I said, the defensive side of the ball. I mean... I've seen a completely new P.T. Martinez in the last six weeks or so, putting in challenges, tackles, forcing early passes out of the back, really, really good in the high press. And that's something that wasn't there early on in the season. So I think maybe part of that's tactical. Part of it uh, might be Barco, like you said, Eric. Part of it might be just his regular adaptation to the league. And he does look a little fitter than he did a couple months ago. But certainly, 
he's being asked to do things that are more in his comfort zone. So it's no coincidence that he's looking better to the naked eye. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very impressed. I was very excited to see him do so well in, in a big moment like that. Um, a big moment like Campionis Cup as well. I thought he played pretty well in. Real well. I mean, if you look at those first 20 or 25 minutes, or as good as 20 or 25, you've seen Atlanta United play all year. I mean, yeah. you're, you're looking in that 20, 25 minutes, and you're thinking, man, we can, we can end this match by halftime. And credit to Minnesota, who are a good side, and were able to kind of get back into the match. But there were a couple moments in those first 30 minutes or so where – the, the 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 tie could have been over. I mean, it could have been completely done with the amount of chances that you created. And certainly P.T. Martinez is right at the center of that. Another ball I'm really liking from him, what I'm seeing uh, from him that I like a lot is, now that you've got those wing backs and, and Gressel and, and Miram kind of sitting in these wide spaces, usually in space, P.T. Martinez is great at picking out the driven kind of switch, like 50 yards, hitting it across the field. And you saw him do that time and time again where he's able to get on the ball on the right and just and just ping it to the left and hit Miram, or vice versa, hitting Gressel on the right. So P.T. Martinez, I think, certainly settling in with the formation and shape, and, and that's another example. And you saw that time and time again, where you're able to create chances with quick switches of play, and it often came through him. I think one of the things we saw, Pity, and it was really frustrating to watch him continually, continue, continuously do this over and over again, he would take defenders 1v1 and constantly lose that battle. He'd win sometimes. But I, oh, at least for me, the more memorable, more, more memorable aspects of Pity Martinez t- taking, or unmemorable, however you want to really phrase it, uh, of him taking on defenders one v one, it was him failing at that. But I see him doing, attempting that less often. He's less on the ball and he's moving, he's passing yeah. quicker, finding an open man, and then moving himself. Yeah. No, I I tend to I tend I tend to agree. He's I, playing. He's play, What I'm saying is that he's playing much differently. He, he's a completely different player. The, the player that we saw before Barco was reintroduced in the lineup, that that player was not going to succeed. Yeah. In any league. And I think we. I mean, again, I, I've got to give us credit, man. We hit the nail on the head with this guy. <laughs> you, he's not a guy who can force feed the ball, right? I mean, if, if if a team can lock in on PT Martinez defensively, and that was the case when Barco was out with all the injuries you had. He's not an effective player. You have a player like Barco that can pull defenders away from him, allow him to get forward into a dangerous area, and then feed him, and then suddenly you're taking guys on 20, 25 yards from goal as opposed to all the way back at midfield. So I just think he's more so in his comfort zone. But I think overall, I mean, PT's play is really endemic, I think, in general, of the form of the team. And again, like I said, this game ended up being a lot closer than it could have been, and a lot of the credit goes to Minnesota. But Land United, you're starting to see that dominant attacking side again where you just feel like a chance is coming every time they go forward and and I just I mean even even with Barco looking like he's going to be out of the lineup this week and I think you're still comp, uh, I'm, pretty I'm confident you can about create that now, chances how they're playing yeah and, and I think you're also seeing Nag be in great form uh Justin Miram Justin so the wing back thing is fascinating oh to goodness. me because you're in this crazy situation when you play Atlanta United where you either do what most teams would do against a good three-five-two, and kind of sit a little more compact in defense and just say, look, Gressel, if you want to just bomb crosses into the box, that's fine. Miram, if you want to try to dribble in and take on three guys, you can do that. But these two wingbacks are in such good form that if you just pack in the box and leave Gressel in, 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 um, in space, his cross is still going to find the head of Joseph Martinez, yeah. even if it's 2v5 in the box. If you leave Miram in space, and we saw this on the on the uh, PT goal, he's a good enough dribbler and has good enough vision where he can cut inside and still pick a guy out. And if you look at that Miram goal, it's like Miram and PT, maybe Joseph is in the box, and then there's like six defenders in there. Now, what's going to happen is that you're going to see, if, if Miram continues to do what he's doing, um, you're going to see more... 
defenders pay more attention to him. So instead of one defender, it might be two creeping over. He, he's going to yeah. draw more but attention, which is going to open up space for other people in the middle. Progressing in the middle. So, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. So, like, I look back at, let, let's go back to the New York City match. The, in that game, NYCFC, they tried to get really, really compact and they just conceded space to the wingbacks. And in the end, you got burned, right? Julian Gressel finds Joseph Martinez, gets an assist. Uh, and then in this match, I thought Minnesota kind of, you saw Gressel was not on the ball as much as he has been in the past. They were clearly, I thought, kind of shading their defense to Atlanta's right, where you're able to get bodies to Gressel quickly. But that throws your balance off and leaves Miram in even more space on the yeah. left. So in the, particularly the first 25 minutes where I thought that, that Minnesota's MO was clearly to cut off service to Gressel, that's such a luxury for Atlanta United. Because if you're trying to cut off service to a right wing back, you are leaving a lot of space in the middle and the left side of the field. And so what do we see? Miram in space, Barco in space, PT in space, game over. So it's just, I think the way the shape works... It's really, really difficult to game plan for because you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you try to cut off those wing backs, you open up space in the middle. If you try to put all your uh, resources to Julian Gressel, you open up space in the middle and on the left. You know, if you try to pack everything into the center, then you leave a great dribbler in Miram and, and a great crosser of the ball uh, in Gressel on the right in space. So it's very, very difficult, and certainly against Minnesota, particularly when I look at those first 25, 30 minutes. I mean, uh, so much of it was coming through the wingbacks where those guys didn't really even have to come back and defend. And it, uh, it could have been three or four goals, mainly going through those two players. Um, the other player that over over the time, over the last three weeks, three matches or so, since I've been in Uruguay and since I've come back, Paul, uh, Paul Pogba. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> I see Pogba and the first, my, my first reaction, my first thought is, I wonder if he gets made fun of for, for having Pogba in the last name and not Especially being nearly as good as he his plays. Yeah, it was like, how come your brother is so much more technical <laughs> than you? Like, it's crazy how different players. I thought he played well. I thought the first goal, he did get turned a little bit on the cross, but he was in kind of a tough position. But again, tackling very good. He is a little. It's it's so uh, he's, he's rough ahead, around yeah. the, he's rough around the edges, but he's stepping up in a way that I I don't think many expected him to. To step up, yeah, I tend to agree with you, man. Most people, I think, saw him as someone, uh, you know, not not necessarily like a, a break in case of emergency type of player, but more of a guy that was going to fill minutes here and there when 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 he was needed. Mm-hmm. He's turned to a player that I'm not going to say you can count on, but he's turned into a solid player that 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 you're getting the best out of him in this moment and you it, you absolutely need to ride this wave until he proves to you that you just can't do it anymore the last three matches for for me he i'm trying to think he i know he's in campiones cup i know obviously he was a u.s open cup they i forget that was he on the, in the starting 11 for orlando i think he was yeah mm-hmm. last three matches for me he's just been uh, uh, the way he uses his body the way he cuts off defenders the way i mean he's clearly rough around the edges but he's doing just enough to to make the greatest of impressions on all of us mm-hmm. um, as uh, taking advantage of the time he ha- he's he's being given the opportunity to be given in it with Atlanta um, and making something of it because right now he's he's to me he's if you're having a, if you have a back three he's automatic uh, he's he's automatic him and in. Escobar I think are are close. yeah sure but yeah. I would say this I mean if you went back to the start of the season and you said. Michael Parkhurst is going to look a step slower this year, which makes him extremely slow. You know, as 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 age kind of kicks in, Franco Escobar is going to be in and out of the lineup with injuries, and you're going to rely a lot on a player in Flo Pogba, who 
played the first, what, six weeks, two months of the season with the second team, right? I mean, he was just getting sharp again. I would have said that's big trouble. If you're going to try to play three center backs and Escobar and Parkhurst aren't really involved, and you're looking at a guy in Pogba who was unattached without a club for like eight months or something like that, I would have been a little worried. The great thing about him, though, his 1v1 defending is very good. And yeah. this is something that we talk about a lot and might be the Which team. I didn't really expect. No, me neither. I, I really you thought watch he was just going to be a body. Particularly 1v1 in space because he's not a fast guy. So you, but, but, but he's very good at using his body, knowing when to be physical. He shields the ball well. And it's so important because Atlanta United, I think their main weakness with the shape you're playing right now is when your wingbacks get forward with, with Miriam and Gressel, and that's what they want to do. Those three center backs get stranded. So you have to have very good 1v1 defenders. And obviously, Miles Robinson, who we, we should talk about soon, has been incredible, was great at that. Leandro Gonzalez Pierre is great at that. But you got to have all three that can do it. And Flo Pogba being able to do that is one of the reasons that I think you've been able to still kind of throw bodies forward yeah. and attack, leave those three back. That's not something I think you could have done with Pogba or maybe expected to be able to do with him as one of those three center backs two or three months ago. So it's it's a huge, it's it's great for Atlanta United that you have three guys that understand there are going to be times when they get countered and they're going to be out there on their own and they're just going to have to win their 1v1 battles. And certainly Pogba has done a great job of doing that. So, and I really wanted to get your thoughts on this. If I assume that Frank DeBoer is going to continue the formation and, and the tactics uh, which would mean a back three, essentially. Mm-hmm. So are we talking about? Because I I think having seen Pog, Paul Pog, Pogba, having seen Pogba, you did it again. <laughs> <laughs> having seen Pogba and uh, and and how he's doing so far in his run of form and him being uh, so effective right now, do you change anything in that back line? Because look, Franco Escobar has been fantastic, yeah. but but seeing the way that Atlanta has defended. And, and how good they've looked in the attack with the three-man back line, I don't know that I touch anything. I wouldn't right away. I mean, I think I would venture I, I, to say... Look, I, I, there's, I have nothing against Franco Escobar. I, I love Franco Escobar and what he gives you in the attack, but right now, this is what, what's going on right now is Yeah, and, and, and there's no... Re- I would, if I was a betting man, I'd say he gets back into that back three by the end of the regular season that, you know, between injuries or maybe someone falling out of form, but probably Pogba, because I do feel that Escobar is overall a better player. I agree. But short term, you've got to ride the good form. And for me, Escobar needs to, when he's ready, Julian Gressel needs a rest, man. I mean, that guy is absolutely running on fumes. When Escobar is fit to no, no, start. No, no. He said his legs feel good. Oh, well, you know. He said his legs I feel mean, good. They, he is tough as nails, man. But if you watch <laughs> that Orlando match, and to some extent, not as quite much as the Minnesota match, dude is walking back in the last 10, 15 minutes and you know Julian Gressel doesn't do that unless he physically cannot get back. Because one of the his work rate is incredible. I mean, that's the reason he's playing these. You know, he's been playing twice a week for the last month, and he's basically giving you ninety minutes every yeah. match. So, when to me, when yeah, leave Pogba in there for form alone. But when Escobar's fit to start, maybe that's against Philadelphia. Although that's a big match, I don't know if you can sit Gressel. When the opportunity arises itself, <laughs> you got to but get I, that guy some rest because he is absolutely running on fumes right now. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how that plays out. I look, I gotta give a lot of credit to Frank DeBoer. I, I was never on the the Frank DeBoer out. Frank Yeah, I mean we're gonna, we're out gonna get nonsense. To, we're gonna get to those people as the season but goes on. My but. goodness. I, I two trophies in less than two weeks. You've got Atlanta United playing so well right now. The circumstances that he has he has dealt with most of the season have outside of what just happened with Marco today. 
have effectively gone away. Yeah. And you've got a a a level of play that I would say is is sustainable throughout the course of the playoffs. Look, Tata Martino's style of play was fun. What the way Atlanta United played under Tata Martino was fun. It was exciting. That's not a sustainable way to play over the course of an entire season and into the playoffs. And if you look at this the team in the playoffs, I mean, and I think, it, yeah, they, sh- they shifted to yeah, essentially what they and, do now. And I've heard a few people bring this up, and I think it's a great point. I mean, I think Atlanta United, the way they're set up, the way that they're tactically coached, I think it's a more attacking team than it was last season. I think Tata Martino, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Tata Martino became much more pragmatic in his second season. I mean, it, we, you just kind of mentioned the playoffs, Eric. That was a 5-3-2. That was not... Uh, that was not Gressel and Justin Miram as your wingbacks. Yeah, you know, I mean, you were you, you were you were playing Escobar and Garza, so you're playing five out and out defenders. So yes, maybe the shape is kind of similar on paper, but you were playing five defenders in the playoffs last year. This year, you're playing three, and your wingbacks are very much much more attacking than than Garza and Escobar were, and, and with Gressel and Miram. So I th- and then you look at the last 10-15 minutes of this match, the last 10-15 minutes of the Orlando match. Uh, or I, I shouldn't say that before the before the red card with Pires, and then looking at the last ten fifteen of the Orlando match, you didn't get that defensive. I mean, you kind of you didn't park the bus. You 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 maybe got a little more pragmatic, but you were still absolutely trying to get forward and attack. And it, I it, I think this team is more attacking, more aggressive, and like you said, Eric, what they're doing is more sustainable in the long run than what was happening under Tata Martino. And that's not a knock on Tata Martino. Yeah. I just think he realized. This is the squad I have. This is the way we're going to go deepest in the playoffs. With what Frank DeBoer has been able to accomplish this season, it's a much more thorough, uh, I think much more nuanced, much more versatile team tactically, where it's a mix of what Tata did last year and what Frank DeBoer wants to do uh, with his team going forward. Look, I, I see Barco now. Look, I, obviously with the news coming out that Barco might be might be out for, for Saturday. And it's reported it's a muscle injury, so we'll see. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, our own Joe Patrick did report it from Dirty South Soccer um, so I guess we can't totally put the blame on you, Eric. But uh, yeah, yeah. but I don't know. I prefer to. But uh, uh, if Joe says it, if Joe <laughs> says it, it's true. No, but when Bargo does get the ball and he, and he's going forward and he's got a little bit a little bit of space, you do see that 2018 Atlanta United kind of that that spark kind of take off for a second to see if it's there. They're looking for Joseph. They're looking for Gressel. They're looking for Miram down the wing. They're they're looking to play that fast, exciting style that we we love so much in 2018. In 2017, right. but when they don't see it's obviously there, they pull up. There's a contingency plan. Yeah, they pull up, and that's not the. It's not. There's 2018. There was for the most part in the regular season. In 2017, it was just Plan A. Now it's Plan A, Plan B, and then if neither of those work, well, Plan C, which is all the way back and and and. And you can do around. that within yeah within organically within the game, and I think that's kind of an example of. How you've got a mix of Frank, what Frank DeBoer did and what Tata Martino did. I thought one of the most asinine criticisms of him early in the season was that he was not telling the team to attack vertically and, and counter. He was telling them every time just get the ball, slow it down. <laughs> no manager in the world does that. I mean, unless you're trying to kill clock. I mean, I think it had so much to do with uh, the players getting used to one another, particularly P.T. Martinez. Miguel Miron was such an influential part of this. Frank DeBoer getting used to his players. You had the short off season. You know, so... I don't think that I think that Frank DeBoer has always wanted this. I think he's always wanted his team to go direct when possible. Particularly and it wasn't so much the case with Minnesota, but when you're playing a team that sits back in bunkers and that's about half of uh 
that's about half of the teams that Land United plays. The rare oppor- chance that that team does get caught out, you have to go direct because those chances are fleeting. So I don't. I never bought that Frank De Boer w- because it doesn't make logical sense that he would want to slow a team down that can attack fast. I think he wanted what you said, Eric, which is okay. We want to attack fast. This is where we're strongest, but we have to w- have to have a way that's more sustainable where we can hold the ball, possess the ball play a little slower when we need to so it's not just vertical running at the defense every single time. Because in some ways that can be pretty easy to defend if you're getting attacked the same way over and over again. And I tended to believe that Miguel Amiron was so good that it didn't matter. But I think this season, Atlanta United, just just by virtue of not having a Miguel Amiron, you have to have a little bit more of a structure, a little bit more of a system, because you don't have a guy that, for lack of a better description is just so much better than everybody else on the pitch in Miguel Almiron. Yeah. So if you look at the second goal and and look, if you're not a a uh, a soccer enthusiast, if you're new to the sport and you fell in love with Atlanta United in 2017 2018, and are used to seeing though that that run and gun style of play, you might not appreciate this as, as much as well as you should. But go look at the second goal, the build up. There's a tweet out there by Sean Serwinski uh, at. Zerwinski, Z-E-R-W-I-N-S-K-I. It's on my timeline as well. But he does a, it's a full minute of buildup. Yeah. It's 19 mm-hmm. passes. And and it's it's one of the better team goals I've seen from Atlanta United. It, yeah. uh, it all, it, I mean, this is exactly the way that, that, this is the sustainable way to play. This is the way that you, without someone like Almiron, find ways to just dominate your opponent. This is how you dominate possession. This is how you dominate passing. This is how you dominate everything, every aspect of the game. But playing like this, by by uh, involving everyone in the buildup, by having multiple ways of scoring on opponents, they can still do what they did in 2017, 2018. But again, there's plan A, then there's plan B, and if they need to, there's plan C as well. Yeah, and if you look at that first goal, I mean, Pires is the one getting forward and putting the ball into the box, which results in the own goal. That is extremely aggressive. That is that is not negative uh, passing where everyone holds the shape. You're talking about your right center back getting forward and overlapping all the way to the end line. So again, it's a mix of both. Yes, you're knocking a ball around. Yes, you're holding possession. But dude, I mean, you're moving the ball fast. There's interchange of positions. Your 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 freaking right center back is getting forward. So. That's the great thing is Atlanta United have found a way to string 18 to 20 passes together, but they still look dangerous. There's still fluidity of positioning because I didn't realize that Atlanta United had, had when I saw that tweet, Eric, I, no, I had no idea that it was a minute of buildup because it didn't feel like, okay, one pass, two pass, three pass. It was like, okay, it's coming. We're, you know, we look dangerous. You know, it, There was always uh, anticipation. I had no idea pass. that it was a minute of buildup. Even yeah. with the passes back, you know, all right, well, they're going to circulate the ball and they're going to go the other way. It, but there, it wasn't this It wasn't this side-to-side passing that everyone complained about. That, that, that has helped build Atlanta to become what it is now. There was no, there was no, the side-to-side passing is, is, a, is a consequence of how you're defended. Not a product of the way you want to play. That's where everyone got confused about about the style yeah. of play. It's not that that, that side to side passing again. Not a consequence. It's a consequence of how you're being defended. Not yeah. the style. Not your style of play. And we went over this a few weeks ago. We did a talk in tactics. I think it's still on the YouTube page if you want to check it out. Where I just got my magnets out and showed you all that. Passing side to side is not oh. bad. What's bad is doing it slowly because you have to move the defense 
out of position when you when you're in possession. If you do it slowly, it's easy for them to move with the ball. Uh, but if you do it a little quicker, a little more unpredictably, then guys get put out of positions and space opens up in the final third, and that's how you can beat a bunkering defense. A little off topic, but did you see my picture that I took for you? Uh, which which one? In oh, the, uh, the tactics board. I was awesome. Tactics board. Yeah, yeah, old yeah. School. I forget. I have to look up the picture. What year it was? But it's old. Yeah. No, but that was really cool. It's old. Yeah. I love me a tactics. So the other board. thing I want to say about about Uruguay, I think it's hilarious that we were they, talking about that like thirty <laughs> I know, minutes. I know, ago. I know, I know. But it's hilarious that they look at the 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 Suarez hand of the hand of Suarez thing in the World Cup, mm-hmm. and they're like this. They, it, they they it's like a it's like a <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's like a it's like a moment of triumph for them. Oh yeah, they they, I mean, they. I think it is. I think that's a heroic the, moment. The, I don't care what anyone mu- says. Museum they have they they have a cl- they have they just rotate like uh, they have this just clip these clips rotating, and like three of the clips are his, like that whole oh, the hand that the, the, the highlights that whole thing the hand the 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 missed penalty kick wow. them winning the game him celebrating like they they act like wow. like the country that's won two World Cups. Look, I I I in the moment I was like, oh my gosh, Suarez, what are you doing? That is the that was brilliant. But at the same man. time, I'm sitting there. I'm like, yes, I'm so glad they missed. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. He sacrificed. Sacrificed uh, for the team. He sacrificed. Yeah, I mean, I love. Luis it's just Suarez. funny that everyone looks at him and is like, "What a d bag." Yeah, well, for that move, I wish and that d bag was but, on my team. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, so I want to mention continue. also that the, the, the Perez because I know we're going to move on to Philadelphia. I think we've covered this game pretty well. Um, I would say, I, what did you think of the double yellow on Perez? So I did not get a chance to see the first one. I missed that one. The, so the second one, I was like, "Why would you do that? Why would Perez do that?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that it's not like he got caught out that far out of position where he needed to do that. He still had him in front of him. He had to turn. He was going to get beat, but he he had enough time and space in front of him to goal to recover. Yeah. On top of that, you've got Miles Robinson, who's the fastest man alive. Absolutely. And um. Is going to be able to cut him off. Like it's not like it's it's a it's a it's going to specifically lead to a chance on goal. Sure, you messed up, obviously, because he fouled him the way he did. He knew he messed up, but it's it wasn't the end of the world. That's why I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Look, I, here's the other thing I want to talk about the uh, the the quote unquote foul that wasn't called on on Joseph Martinez. I didn't think that was a foul. Me neither. Yeah, I didn't think because that was a foul. I saw it as Joseph running into Apara. Yeah, I and, then, and I thought the elbow. I understand he he raised the elbow a little bit, but I thought that was after Joseph had already like knocked himself off Obara's body. You could have definitely called the elbow, but I don't. It wasn't a possible red card. It wasn't quite a dog so situation, and the elbow wasn't like a like a uh, violent conduct thing. It truly, so, it truly was Joseph running into Obara. You could have come back. You so you couldn't come back and review that portion of the foul because there wasn't a possible red card. The contact itself, and I think this is important, Opara had just as much right to that ball as Joseph. Exactly. So when Joseph runs into him, I thought Alan Chapman made the right call there uh, not to uh, not, Look, not the, to give a foul. In the moment, I'm, I'm with all of you oh, guys. Oh, I was going crazy. I'm I with was all of you guys. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. ready for, for the, the, the free kick right outside the box. Um, I was ready for that moment for Atlanta United, but I, I, when I went back and watched, when I saw the first replay, I was like, ah... That's a good same, call. Same, same, same. And call. then I got a huge argument with the people sitting with me. That always <laughs> happens. They're like, "Get out of here, man!" But yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought he had just as much right. And look, to the I didn't ball want it to be a good call. I really didn't. I wanted him to to to, to suck at his job that right then and there. Yeah. 
But I watched the replay and I was like, uh. there were a lot of big calls. I actually thought Alan Chapman handled the match pretty well. I mean, you saw him show some uh, yellows in the first half for persistent infringement. I did think the last twenty or twenty-five minutes it became a little difficult for him. But the Pires one, I would have. Li- I mean, I, I, I yes. I mean, you should not have a handful of jersey if you're on a yellow. I mean, simple as that. Especially like you said, Eric it was like sixty yards from goal. It's not like you needed to do that. Um, but I feel I feel I and again I base this on nothing. I feel like in a final or that type of match, particularly when a player has just taken a yellow, that you don't show a yellow there. You give a you give a you give a final warning. You you let him off the hook because you don't want to become the center of attention. Because I think, like you said, Eric, I don't think it had a huge impact on the play itself. It was so far away from goal. Um, I I felt I I would have liked to see and again you you you, you can't complain about it because it's on Pires for doing that yeah. you should know better but it's I would the right, like we, 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 we can agree it's the right call technically it's the right call yeah. yeah I would have liked to see in that situation in that context a little more restraint from the referee and I feel like we usually see it in those types of scenarios when you see them happen internationally but on top of that what bothers you is that then you look at the uh, the uh, Osvaldo Alonso uh, yeah, so who, I, who should have been uh, yeah, gotten his second that. yellow. So it's like, and maybe, and again, and he called a foul. So I'm wondering, you know, if you're going to go letter of the law on a shirt tug, then you got to do it with a hard challenge as well. So I think that's the point where you're a little aggrieved if you're Atlanta United is, if you're going to send off Perez for this, you got to be consistent and send off a guy for what was, to me, a much more egregious foul. Yeah. I, I Look, I don't disagree with you. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought Chapman was okay for most of the game. Because look, as the as in look in the moment as a fan, I'm sitting there thinking, "Wow, this guy sucks." After of the, course. After the after the Joseph after the Joseph, Boo, no every call, referee I'm, push I was ready to push push throw every him referee. Off the yeah. Um. <laughs> again, you take a step back and you take the fandom out of it, and I thought he did. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I, you I see, think he did fine. Then you go back and watch fine. it, and, and things. I thought it was hilarious. He got booed when he got when he got the medals. Oh yeah, that was great. When they got the little uh, that was great during the ceremony. Which, why great. did they get medals to begin with? They all referees always get medals. Well, I'm down with them getting medals. I just think it's a bad idea to do it in public because, like, ninety percent of the time you see this happen, they just get booed uh, by all of the fans. But um, so can I, can I explain uh, the reason that I I think crapping so extensively on the refs is I'm not gonna say it's not smart because whatever you're entitled to do whatever you want to do. I think it's I think it's a waste of time because Atlanta United still won this game. I think crapping on the refs is similar to blaming the manager where. You maybe do or don't want to. You don't want to admit um, that the players. Particularly if you night. lose. Particularly if you lose. Yeah, like it's the same thing as kind of blaming the managers, blaming the referee. Because um, if you thought Alan Chapman was bad, then oh, Atlanta I still won the game. Yeah, I mean, so so he, that it, 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 it didn't it didn't affect the game that um, uh, enough to where Atlanta United was was defeated. And the way because it, of that. the way it did impact the game, I think, in terms of the the flow, was actually encouraging to me because you saw right after that happened, uh, DeBoer gets Laurentowitz in there, and you just park the bus. And we talked about how yeah. Atlanta United don't typically do that when they're holding on to the lead. But again, it's you know it's a cup final. You go down a man. And you saw Atlanta United able to, you know, and we talked about this is not a situation they're going to be in much uh, because they like to keep attacking and go and extend the lead. But we did see they're capable of sitting back and, and, and defending. So that, that I think, if you go from the beginning of the match to the end, 
first 20, 25 minutes, you're dominant. You're playing some of the best soccer you've played all year. You score a couple goals. But you're also able to finish that match with your backs up against the wall, down a man, packing it in the back. So that's a that's a great thing, that you're able to flip that switch within a match from dominant attacking football to yeah. defensive, sitting back to close it out. And that's how great teams get results. All right, so coming up on Saturday for Atlanta United. Oh, it's a big gotta, one. they got to turn it around. This is for the top spot in the East. Philadelphia Union, um, Atlanta United. Atlanta United traveling to Chester, Pennsylvania. Beautiful Chester, Pennsylvania. Have you been there? <laughs> uh, I hear stories. I have not I, been there. Been I know there. you've been there for a match, right? Look, inside the stadium, the scenery around it, you see the bridge, you see the water. It's really nice. There's nothing around that stadium. <laughs> it's Chester. I mean, right? that's nothing not a... around that stadium. Uh, How far from Philadelphia is, is the stadium? I want to say, f- I, I would be guessing, but maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, maybe so it's even way outside. Oh, I, oh, I know that we when I went there, we were outside of Pennsylvania by... Or sorry, uh, Philadelphia by by a good bit, and it was like a thirty minute well, drive to Chester. Like I don't. I, this says this says about twenty five to thirty right, well, minutes via I ninety five. I said forty five. So <laughs> that's crazy. Still Close-ish. a long way. Still a long way. Still a long way though. Um. So Atlanta right now forty eight points. Uh. In first uh, on goal differential over Philadelphia Union, who also have forty eight points. Atlanta United have a match in hand. Mm-hmm. So big plus on the side of Atlanta United. Uh, obviously, Atlanta United want to come away with a win on, after this one. You've got NYCFC, who if if they get a win, they jump over both teams. Um, Technically, should, NYCFC should, control their destiny. Right. I mean, should Atlanta you know. United and Philadelphia draw, then NYCFC could jump both teams. Um, really what I like about the situation Atlanta United is in right now is that it looks like getting into the playoffs, you can kind of write that ticket based on what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think at this point you're you're well enough into the into the final stretch of the season. You've got enough points to where look, you want to obviously be in the best position possible. You want to you want to end first in the East. Uh, but considering how the year is gone, people were talking about not even making the playoffs, and so considering the situation, you're it seems as though postseason soccer is going to happen for Atlanta. Um, how it'll happen, we don't know. This match on Saturday, um, seven thirty. In Philadelphia, both teams missing pretty key players. Philadelphia Union missing Alejandro Badoya, and Atlanta yeah, obviously who took up Marco Badoya. Do you see the yellow he took to get yeah. this <laughs> idiot? Big dummy, <laughs> big big dummy. Um, I I look Philadelphia obviously is a much better team than they have been in the past. I think they're they've got they still have the the the, the flaws. I think they've gotten they've been very. From what I've seen so far, they've been they've they've taken advantage of the opportunities that they've had. Um, they've taken advantage of key moments in games. They've taken advantage of of opponents that uh, aren't maybe in the best run of form, and so that's how they've kind of progressed through the season. They've got great players, uh, but they're nowhere near the quality of talent that Atlanta United is. Atlanta United is going to be the favorite, I think. I think especially when you look at their defense and how it matches up. With Atlanta United's attack, I mean, you're, you've got a couple young center backs you've, uh, that, that you're starting. You know, I, I do really rate Trusty, but again, he's a very young player that's going to have to sit back there and deal with Joseph Martinez. Uh, Philadelphia have conceded 41 goals this year, which is, for teams uh, above the red line in the playoffs, as of right now, is... Uh, so you are basically even with New York Red Bulls for the, the third least uh, or, or the third most, excuse me, conceded with 41 goals conceded already this season. So, I mean, I think if you're going to say Atlanta United are favorites, 
uh, I think it's really looking at that matchup. Even without Barco in the lineup, it, it, it's going to be difficult because Philadelphia's defense is. Oh, I don't think it's going to be to easy. Me is, is, yeah. But Philadelphia's defense is really, really where they're weak. If you look at them going forward, I mean. Uh, I think they've got a lot of a lot of ability going forward. A lot of uh, different types of players. I mean, people want to talk about Marco Fabian, but to me, Jamiro Montero has been fantastic this year. They have a uh, a pretty good striker, and uh, I can never say the guy's name like Prisbilko, whatever his name is, the number nine. So I do think that the the matchup that's going to be key in this game is because you know that Philadelphia can score goals, get forward and attack. They've got a lot of talent going forward, like I said, but. Defensively, they're weak. So, to me, it's going to come down to one: if Atlanta United's defense plays well, and you can keep Philadelphia Union off the board or keep them to one goal, I think you can feel pretty confident that at the very least you're going to create a ton of chances going the other way. So, if Atlanta United are considered favorites, to me, it's kind of a toss-up because you're on the road; it's two good teams. Um, but, but to me, I think what makes Atlanta United favorites to some people, like Eric, is just I think defensively, Philadelphia just can't, 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 can't hang. Now, see, I would say that with Barco in the lineup, without him, let's see how this this team yeah, it'll changes. Be different. Let's see how Frank DeBoer uh, handles not having a guy like I. I, I I'm wondering, like, how, how do you who do you get to fill that role? Who do you get to fill that space? Who 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 do you get to fill to open up more space for yeah. Pete Martinez? Like he's mm-hmm. uh, like you have been with Barco to in me the last couple matches. And to me, what we've seen is that player. Can't be PT replacing Barco. No. It's got to be Emerson Hindman to me. Yeah, uh, I mean there are some other guys that you could put there. So then it becomes more of a so out other, and out three five two. The other thought I had in that regard is maybe pushing Miram inside, but he's been so good outside, yeah. like putting Pereira outside or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I think the the I don't want to say not the like for like, but the obvious one would be Hindman. But I almost wonder if you maybe you put Pereira on the outside and then you could do that. It's crazy Miram how uh, we don't even mention Tito's name. <laughs> But why would he just? I, I'm not gonna. No, I don't. Well, no, no. Yeah, you're gonna go after Tito. I think he. Just I'm not going really, after yeah, Tito. We, just, already, we all look, know we where know, Eric's gonna know, go with this. We know what he is. Well, I just don't think he maybe doesn't fit the system. Maybe he's not that fit yet. But to me, um, Emerson Hyman has got to be the player because he needs to be the one that progresses the ball forward. Again, we saw PT Martinez just not that guy. He wants to be get the ball in the last third. Emerson Hyman is a guy that could kind of set the table for you. The thing is. When you play Heinemann instead of Barco, it changes the way that you attack a little bit. And it becomes more, um, and we've talked about this a lot, how Atlanta's kind of 3-5-2, whatever you want to call it, becomes a 3-4-3 in attack. Because Barco shifts from playing as the highest center midfielder, he shifts to the left. It becomes a 3-4-3 with Pizzi on the right, Barco on the left. Heinemann doesn't do that. It just doesn't suit his game. He's going to play through the middle of the field. So if you play Heinemann... It changes your tactics a little bit where I don't think you can get two wingers at all times flanking Joseph Martinez. It's going to be much more so P.T. Martinez having to fill in on the right, having to fill in on the left, and Heinemann a little bit behind him sitting at the table. I think that's fine because P.T. Martinez with the form he's in, uh, how much comfortable, more comfortable he is receiving the ball in the last third instead of being a guy that's force-fed to drive the team forward, I think you'll be fine. But the big thing to look for is if, if Hyman is that guy, it, it does change your shape and attack a little bit. Where, again, you're not going to see him shift into a left-wing position and attack like you do from Ezekiel Barco. The, the, what I love about the last three three matches or so, and even a little bit further than that, basically the intro, reintroduction of Barco is that it seems like everyone is playing, and not just because of Barco, because, because the team is playing better, everyone is playing 
with the, with with a just much better. They're all in a good run of form right now, everyone. And so I'm hoping that without Barco, even without Barco, that, that carries into a match like Philadelphia, where you lose a guy like you lose you lose. I'm going to call him a a, a a a cog in the engine that is Atlanta United right now, and. Um, you know, I, I I don't I'm not as nervous about them not playing well in this match. I think it could very well happen. I'm less concerned about that because of how well everyone individually is playing. You just fill in, right. fill in, fill someone in for for Barco for this match for the next. Or boy, then you got two weeks off, um, and and find a way to get the win here. The win is so important because, <clears throat> jeez, <clears throat> the win is so important because of how long. How big the break is coming up, yeah, and how huge. long you have to think about it. Um, you want to go into this break full of confidence. You want to come out of this break full of confidence. Yeah. You, uh, and you need this break because yeah, you've been absolutely. playing twice a week for the last month. So, absolutely. The last couple of results for uh, the Philadelphia. Oh, the other thing I noticed: they give up goals. They have like two. They have like I already one, said that, Eric. One, one clean sheet. I already said that. Never mind. <laughs> Come on! Damn it. I already mentioned how the, well, I didn't say I didn't say that really only one clean sheet all year. Oh, I didn't say that. No, not one clean sheet all year. One clean sheet in the last like since like uh, May eighteenth. Wow, wow. Meanwhile, Atlanta United so leads the league in clean that's sheets. Like almost three months of, of that's where the mismatch is, man. Is is I just I do not think you've got Elliot and Trusty as the two center backs. Wait, did you just crap on me for saying something you didn't say? When you thought I did well, say no, it? Well, no, you brought up that they don't defend. I didn't say the clean sheet thing, but I did. Everyone. I was specifically mentioned the clean. I know you right. mentioned the defending. Okay, well. I mentioned the clean sheet. What I was you. Gonna, where, you should have mentioned was, that earlier when we were I talking was, about where it. Where I was going with that is that Stay there's, on topic. there's going to be the opportunity for opportunities for Atlanta United, yeah. clearly, based on how um, the score lines have gone in the last few matches. Um, and so, I, it, look, it, it's, again, you're going to have your moments. Take advantage of those moments. Find a way to get the ball to Joseph. Create stuff on the outside. Hopefully, Pity can continue this great run of form yeah. that he's on and come away with three points. Lead the East heading into this international yeah. break, and let's see how the uh, tables and lay I think out. The I, tables turn I think you have to like forward. your chances. I mean, and again, you know, like you said, Eric, and like I said first, uh, Philadelphia not a great <laughs> defensive team. And uh, like you said, Eric, if you if you but I said first. if you look at their defense. Where the holes are is the fullbacks, the outside backs. I mean, I think Elliot and Jack Elliott and Austin Trusty are, are good center backs. They're young. They've had all is- sorts of issues right and left back all year. So Julian Gressel, Justin Miram might have time to feast again. But I would be interested to hear what you think about this, Eric. How do you attack that back four then? Because without Barco, it limits... The, the versatility and, and the unpredictability of kind of going at them. If it's Heinemann getting the attack started, it's going to have to be a little bit more structured. So I wonder if, because Philadelphia Union are more of a possession-based team, if Atlanta United does go to a kind of 2018 playoffs and, and play deeper and just look to hit Philadelphia on the counter and get those outside backs and center backs isolated and try to beat them 1v1 as opposed to trying to beat Philadelphia at their own game and get a hold of the ball and possess. I, I think that it just depends on how how Emerson Hyman fills. fills That's the, it. I mean, he's gonna void. if if it's it, him. It, 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 it's, let's assume it's him. Then I think it will be. I think that you have to assume that you got when you when he does get the ball in positions where he can run forward. That needs to be his his first mindset. Yeah. Let's go forward. Yeah. Because what I loved about uh, uh, U.S. Open Cup is there were there were so many moments 
where Barco would get the ball turn. And in unison, it was Miram, Gressel, uh, Pity, and Barco running up at the same time, playing off each other, making runs off of each other, helping each other, including Joseph with, with his uh, hold-up play a bit. Um, they were all in unison moving forward mm-hmm. as a unit. And so that's what I want to continue seeing. And especially as a team that, that, that gives up goals like Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Union, this is an opportunity to continue that that sort of the, that that mentality. Mm-hmm. So if if you want if 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 Emerson Hyman is the answer for Frank DeBoer for 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 Barco, then that mindset should mindset should continue to be the same. Yeah, and it'll be big for him because if you look at the area of the pitch he's going to be playing in, and, and and you mentioned Bedoya being suspended for this match earlier. I think one of the strengths of the Union and one of the reasons that they've been able to have success despite not having the best back four is that Harris Madunian and Alejandro Bedoya sitting in front of them as your two holding midfielders are two very, very good MLS players. Now you're missing one of those two. So it's going to be probably a good deal easier for Heinemann to find that space and progress the team forward uh, and get get yourself into those dangerous areas. But again, how are you going to approach it? Are you going to, uh, are you going to tell the team uh, to sit back and, 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 and try to absorb pressure and then get forward and attack uh, the back four when they're exposed? Uh, or are you going to, and again, a lot of this will go through Heinemann. I mean, watch Heinemann when Lanny wins the ball back. Is he going to try to do what Barco does and run forward with the ball, be super direct? Or is he going to try to kind of just look for a pass to complete and, and, you'll, and you'll decide how to progress with the attack after that pass is made? Because yeah. Heinemann's not a guy that's going to run at players and drive. I mean, Barco is, you, you can know Barco's running idea, at you and you still yeah, can't defend the, him. The idea, the idea behind what Heinemann, what I, what I would like Heinemann to do is push first. And if it's not there, fine, pull back. What we saw with 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 2017-2018 is it was, just, it was just push, 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 push. You lose the ball, we'll retract, we'll try it again. But with with, with Barco, with Pity, it was push, and then and then push Plan A. Um, if it's not there, fine, hold up and let's see what what opens yeah. up elsewhere. So you say kind of. I want that mentality business to stay as usual, same. but I would guess naturally it's going to be a little slower because it's Heinemann sure. instead of Barco starting. But, I'm ner- but basically I'm, the same. What I'm nervous about is that there's going to be. I don't really care about the complaints from the fans. Um, no. Not to say that I don't compare, don't care about the fans, but I just don't care about the way you complain about things um, because I think oftentimes you're wrong. Well, I think I think history speaks for itself. I'm I'm wrong all the time. Just FYI, I'm kind of I mean, tongue in cheek with this whole thing. But what I don't want to happen is that for for that for that mindset to to, to be completely turned off. And Heinemann gets the ball, and it's immediately circulate the ball and and look for more uh, look for only the structured way to get forward. I still want there to be a little bit of chaos going forward. I want I want them to be uh, to 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 take on take chances. In the going into the final third, with with you know the type of passes that Pity would pl- that Pity played to LGP, um, I want you to try to find Joseph in those tight spaces. I want you to try to f- you know go to Miram on the outside. I want Miram to continue trying to take players one v one. I want him to draw defenders, open up some stuff in the, in the middle of the box, in the middle of the field. I want Gressel to continue to do what he was do- what he's doing. I don't want that. My and I don't think it will it would change even with Hyman in there. But what Hyman, I think, has the 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 potential of doing. Is slowing down that mindset enough to where it's instead yeah. of a instead of a uh, a, a brisk a brisk jog <laughs> compared to 2017 2018, it's you know 
it's a slow walk. And that's why we see Heinemann subbed into matches, particularly when you're leading with 20 minutes left. Because that's exactly what you want to it's, do. It's not because you want to play, because he's not a defensive midfielder. It's not because you want to pack it in and defend. It's because you want a guy who's a little more, uh, plays a little more simple. So you're, you're, you're less... Uh, vulnerable to the bad turnovers in the middle of the field, things like that, that players like a PT and Bark are naturally going to have happen to them because they're players that want to dribble and take players on. So the the, the Heinemann is again he's not a he's not a defensive version of Barco, and I think they have some very similar traits in terms of the way they pass the ball, uh, in terms they want to pass forward, set players up in front of them. But he's just not a guy that's going to run at defenders, and the, and that and that changes that changes your tactical approach. I think I think drastically. But again. You know that's he he's not a defensive player, and again that's why we're seeing him subbed into these matches later. He's just a guy that maybe you can possess the ball a little bit more with. You go back to that Philadelphia game early in the season though, and it was one of those classic. Uh, I think he had like seventy plus percent possession of the ball, yet the shots were even. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the spot you don't want to end back. Up. I mean, I think the way you described it, Eric, was pretty good, and that you want. You know, Gressel getting into space, you know, attacking through PT, you know, finding Joseph in dangerous areas. You do not want to repeat, and I don't think Philadelphia are going to come out playing this way, but you don't want a repeat of, uh, what was it, back in April where it was kind of that quintessential uh, example of the ma- types of matches that we're getting Frank DeBoer criticized earlier in the year. We had a lot of the ball. You we weren't creating anything. March 17th, 1-1 one, one draw. God, it seems so long ago. I know. Yeah, so. But those are like the first, the first. Uh yeah, that was right in the middle of the CCL run. Well, right after the CCL run. Yeah, that was that and was tough time. Atlanta United was was but no one was. That's why I'm Atlanta so fascinated, playing. right? I mean, Philadelphia are a possession based team, but they came to Atlanta and an Atlanta team that wasn't full strength at that point, and they really sat and back tired. and absorbed pressure and looked to counterattack and still were able to create a good yeah. amount of chances. I just don't see them playing the same way at home. I I, I see them trying to play their style a little bit more. Get a hold of the ball, knock it around, uh, and try to do the things that they're used to, as opposed to sitting back behind the ball like we did when they came to Mercedes Benz. So, I mean, to me, that's there are a lot of moving parts tactically in this game because you know Philadelphia are a team that like to possess. Yet the last time they played Atlanta United, they flipped the script and sat back, and yeah. we saw them do that last season as well. Although to be fair, they have so much more quality this year than last year, so it's easier for them to approach a game uh, a little more aggressively. And then from Atlanta United's side. Because you have such an advantage against the Philadelphia defense, it's almost like you don't want them to get behind the ball and get all those midfielders back to help and, and where they can. You almost want to find a position where you're able to attack them at pace and counter. And that almost leads you to into a, a much more defensive shape where you try to get forward and counter. Or maybe, like you said, Eric, a little bit of a mix of both that you saw against Minnesota. I just don't know that you can do that with Emerson Hindman. I don't think you're as versatile attacking where you can say, okay, we're going to counter, yeah. but when we can possess, we're going to possess. Uh, I think with Hindman, it has to be more so one or the other. So I'm fascinated to see which style of play Frank DeBoer leans towards uh, this weekend. Um, Elena's, I feel like it, we've talked about everyone other than Darlington Nagby. Amazingly, and how well he's playing. I just wanted to bring him up just so that we didn't forget about and him. And it's we crazy. Have to go long because I feel like we've. It's spent crazy the last we haven't episodes. mentioned him. I think Nagby, Nagby's form is pushing these other guys in front of him just as much as Barco is pushing PT's form. I think yeah. Nagby is a bit is absolutely one of the reasons that all the players in front of him have had 
quite a resurgence. And we did we did find out recently he turned down some call-ups to the national team, so that answers that bizarre question of why on earth is he not playing there. Which, look, good for him. If, hey, if, I mean, if, if the reasons are, are, I have no reason to believe they aren't, but if the reasons are uh, are legit, then good for him. If that's what he wants to do, he doesn't have to He doesn't have to play for no, the U.S. men's national team. And he can still go there if he wants to, and he gets to play real soccer in Atlanta, so it's nice. But uh, <laughs> I think, I mean. I was talking about this with with, uh, with Sam last on the radio show. There, there, there could be an aspect of you know what it's just not fun to play with the U.S. men's national team right sure. now. No, it's you just get not to play fun. with these guys in Atlanta, and I mean, exactly. I think the great thing about what Nagby and I think that this is a real kudos to the Atlanta front office the way the team is built. For the first time, really in his entire career, he is in the exact position that he wants to be in. He's asked to do the things he's good at and no more. And basically, what that creates is the players in front of him playing better. But he doesn't have to get forward and get assists and score goals. Now he's just getting the ball, progressing it from the middle third into the last third. And I think that's just huge. And again, it's another example, I think, of how Frank DeBoer is more aggressive in so many more ways than than Tata Martino was tactically, that you're playing Nagby and Rometty together in a cup final, two guys that cover a lot of ground, but neither of which is going to sit in front of the back four. Nagby's not a, a great defensive player, although I think positionally he's good. But... When Nagby plays well, Atlanta United control the tempo. Tempo they control the ball, and that protect like Nagby playing well is your best defense because when Nagby is dominating in the middle third of the field, guess what? Your great attacking players are going to get on it in the last third. When that happens, your defense isn't exposed because you're not getting you're not getting attacked as you're not getting attacked yeah. because Nagby is just dominant through the middle of the field, and it's amazing because he's able to do it by himself. He's able to get the ball under pressure, dribble a guy or hold him off. I mean, it's really incredible that he can do it on his own where you can leave him isolated in the middle of the field and not worry about him losing the ball. And to me, like I said, Eric, I think Nagby's form right now, as good as it's been in his entire career, he's being asked to do simply the things he's good at, and it's it's providing an incredibly underrated influence for Atlanta United's attack and defense yeah. uh, in general by his just absolute dominance in the middle third of the pitch. Um, speaking of international call-ups and Nagby declining his, uh, Miles Robinson and Brad Guzanka called in the U.S. men's national team. The other three that got called in to their respective national teams was George Bellow, uh, Barco, George Bell with the U-17s, yeah. Barco with the U-23s for Argentina. And we'll see if he travels with them goes, at all yeah. now. Which, look, yeah. if maybe, well, no, they wouldn't do that before a big game. They would do that after the game. Mm-hmm. Sorry, in case you're wondering what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, the idea that maybe you fake the injury, you wouldn't do that before no, a big no, game. No, no, like Philadelphia, after, yeah. you would do it after. Um, and then um, I was trying to find it, but I couldn't remember who the, it just slipped my mind who the fifth one is. Well, Joseph didn't get called in. I know. Joseph didn't get called in. Yeah. Did Pity get called in? I don't think so. Did Tito maybe? No. I was looking for it. I thought Dirty South Soccer had it, and I, for whatever reason, I know I saw it earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Way to go, me. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Don't remind me who the fifth player is on the uh, on the Slack. But uh, I think or on that, the, uh, you know, on the YouTube. The, the the yeah, I think I, I don't really see Barco. Uh, I don't really see Barco. Uh, no, that would traveling to play with the U twenty threes when he, when he has a muscle injury. I, d- I just I just don't see. I would it. hope not. I don't think those matches are yeah. important enough. But Miles Robinson and you're playing. They're playing your boys Uruguay. Uruguay. Maybe we can send. Maybe we can, is is it is it home or away? Maybe we can find a way to send Eric back. Was it just four? I thought five players got for called that in. match. I don't know. You brought it up. I don't. 
But I, Miles Robinson, I can't wait to watch him play because he brings something that a lot of center backs don't have, and that's pace. I mean, his his recovery speed is unbelievable, and I'm really looking forward to him playing with the national team, particularly Sorry. against Uruguay and Mexico. Well, go ahead, Eric. You got Justin Miram with Iraq. That was oh, Justin Miram with, 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 with the mighty, yeah, mighty exactly. Iraq. So uh, I I think that I really when I look at Miles Robinson, you're about to play two games for the U.S. men's national team. You're playing attacks with a lot of pace, a lot of technical ability. This is a big match for him to show where he can fit in, I think, with the full national team in big matches going forward because he gives you something that you don't get really from any of the other center halves in, in the player pool that I that I can think of. Unbelievable pace and recovery speed. And I think if you're Greg Berhalter, you just have to accept that, you know, if you play a superior opponent and you you're about to play two of yeah. them in Mexico and Uruguay. That's, I want to see. How you're going to have up. to have a center back that with some recovery yeah. speed. So obviously he needs to play well on the ball. He needs to be good positionally, all that. But he provides something that, off the top of my head, no one else in your player pool provides at present. And then that's really, really good pace from the center half position. I think it was uh, uh, Taylor Twelman on the broadcast for the U.S. Open Cup talking about Miles Robinson, saying that Tata didn't pl- obviously didn't play him as, all that much in 2017, 2018. Uh, the big knock on uh, Miles Robinson was that he wasn't good with the ball at his feet. But in the same sense, in the same in the same comments, he would say that. But this is a play. This is a Miles Robinson was never beat by Miguel Almiron in practice. Hmm. So when you think about think about what that means, look, sure he might not be good on the ball, but with the U.S. men's, and, but he's team, improving on the ball. Oh he's no, been much absolutely. much better. I think yeah. he's been much, well, he hasn't done anything that's yeah. I mean, he's you would much, think, yeah. Uh, what was that? Um, with the U.S. men's national team, I don't think he's going to be asked to do as much on the ball like that. I think he's going to be do asked to do basically, even maybe even a little less on the ball than he does with Lane United. And even if he were to do exactly the same as Lane United, I think he'd be fine. I want to see how he matches up defensively with the with whatever Mexico decides to bring up with Uruguay. I want to see those are two top top soccering nations. Um, I want to see how he does in those big moments against big competition. Against other quick, fast, smart forwards, strikers, players, I want to see how he does. Yeah. I want, I want him, to, I want him to test himself in these two. And matches. I think he's going to. Assuming he plays, I think he's going to play because I mean, you. Look I don't know at, how you don't. If play you him. look at the roster too, you've got John Brooks, Aaron Long, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman. So you have four center backs that you're taking. My guess look, is you're going to start a different pairing each yeah. match. I, I always want the young. These matches were, were, were. You're just looking to see what you got, really. I don't want to see like a Brad Guzan in goal. We know what Brad Guzan is. Yeah, we know what he is. We know. We know. I, I don't want to see Michael Bradley. I know he's not on the team, but that's just. I'm just and using for the that most part, I'm just this, using it as, as 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 an example. And this is a team like that for the yeah. most part. I imagine Guzan is by f- looking at this roster by far the oldest player. Oh, he's there. He's he's the the veteran mentor. I mean, I thought. Yeah, I mean, there's it, no other. There's no other reason he's this there. This is. I, mean, I guess Tim Ream maybe a, a a little older, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a young roster. And I, I'm like I said, I'm when you look at it, I'm expecting Miles Robinson to uh, to start. To start one of the two matches because you brought four center backs, you want to get a look at Miles Robinson. I think you want to get a look at Walker Zimmerman against top top competition, um, and then obviously uh, John Brooks and Aaron Long are two guys that have already kind of established yeah. themselves. So I think, I, I, Aaron I Long, think you're going to see Aaron all four. Long, Aaron Long, John Brooks, the two center back pairings for Mexico, and then I would I would suggest, I would probably see Miles Robinson, Robinson and Zimmerman. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I would even see Miles Robinson and and maybe a John Brooks in Uruguay. 
That would be an interesting one because like. Brooks is not the fastest, and right. that's something he's been criticized for. So maybe you put Miles Robinson next to him, and it's almost like what we had LGP in Atlanta with. And, how did yeah. you know I was going to say that? Yeah, well, with you Perez know, and Parker. You know, you, you got to get that pairing right. The and, best minds. And the great thing about a player like Miles Robinson is, with the pace that he has, that makes up for the weakness of so many center backs. You can put him next to a real slow guy like like a John Brooks, who's a good defender otherwise, and suddenly Brooks's weaknesses are nullified. Well, not nullified, but you have someone that can get back and cover for him. So if Miles Robinson can find his way uh, into the st- first 11 for uh, U.S. men's national team over the next year or so, yeah. uh, I think that the best thing about it is he is going to help nullify some of the issues you already have on your back four. Aside from being a good defender, you can't teach pace, and you have a guy like that that can make recovery runs. We've seen. I mean, he chased down. I will never forget him. the The first thing I remember Miles Robinson doing was chasing down Carlos Vela on that LAFC game last match, and being like, "What? Like, are like? Did the, no way that just happened? You know? And that now, now it's a routine thing with him. And players like Carlos Vela get in behind a lot against the U.S. Yeah. men's. That's just you know just how it is. And now you have a player that can make up for the weaknesses and the rest of the back four around him. So I, I really want to see him play. And if he can do those things you mentioned, Eric, good on the ball, d- d- defensively sound, then I think do exactly he, what you've been doing for Lane United, and he will yeah. he will shine because his natural traits yeah. I think suit the national team so well. If you know he can do do be consistent with the, the things that have to be there, you know, completing passes, not not giving the ball away, you know, being positionally smart, and he's been uh, pretty good at set pieces, getting uh, attacking set pieces, getting his head on the ball, so. Really, really pumped for him. Really, really excited. I like to see the that. youth on this team. I'm excited to see what they give you. Yeah. I do not want to see Giazzi Zardes. Yeah, God, God, no. Play a minute in these matches. I can't. I can't watch him. Um, I think he's he's an embarrassment to to U.S. Oh, soccer. My. Uh, but I, I I I think for the first time in a while, and mainly because of the addition of of uh, well the young faces and the addition of Miles Robinson, U.S. soccer has finally grabbed my attention. And I think it's like ninety percent Miles Robinson and ten percent everything else. But oh, um, yeah, definitely. Because I just I, I I I just haven't been able to. I haven't had fun watching the U.S. Men's National Team. I watch the U.S. Men's National Team, and I just it's just a a oh, it's dreadful. Uh, uh, at ninety minutes of me complaining about this team. And Giazzi no, started. it's awful. I mean, it makes you. Qu- <laughs> the worst part is you're just like man, especially like we're American and we love soccer, and then it's like wow. This system that we love is broken when you watch <laughs> when you watch what comes through with the national team. But I I am much more optimistic going forward because I thought that U20 team played some really, really great football yeah. over the summer. And you look at some of these guys just now starting to come into the fold. I'm a big fan of Serginho Dest, who I think is a really good right back. And you talk about guys with pace. Uh, that That's a guy who brings pace from Ajax. Obviously, you've got Josh Sargent in the team now, which is going to be big. I love uh, Paxton Pomichol for FC Dallas, I think. Top top young player, so I mean certainly you've brought in a. a I think you're starting to see, uh, hopefully, a new core of players come through over the next couple of years that are just now reaching the age where they can play first team full on professional football, and hopefully you'll see some of these guys start to step up because certainly the player pool over the last three four years ago has has even for U.S. men's national team standards has been pretty barren. Tommy, no, Timmy, Timmy Chandler. That's the name I always remember. I'm like, what, okay. what a buffoon of a player. 
Right. I mean, that that was one. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. We've got Timothy Chandler. I mean, you can go through a lot of guys, obviously. But I mean, the, the look. I mean, sorry. I just, I just, I was just thinking about that for a second. It I just showed. Had to say his name. Yeah. It's just <laughs> weird. But it, it just, you know, it shows in the results. You know, when you look at the youth national team result prior to these last couple of U twenty and U seventeen World Cups, you saw U.S. fail to qualify for the Olympics two times, uh, two editions in a row, uh, and saw the youth national team struggle. So. Th- what you've seen from the last four years from the U.S. men's national team is, is not surprising because we've seen these players rise to the ranks and, and, and struggle. Uh, and, and now you're seeing hopefully a new group come through that, uh, that, that, can, that can take the program back to at least where it was you know, uh, in, in 2010. So we'll see. I mean, it's a long way away. Like you said, Eric, I just get pissed whenever I watch them play. And <laughs> when I heard Nagby turn down call-ups, I said, good for you. But uh, I am very excited to watch Miles Robinson play, and I hope that he can show out and, and, and um, get himself into the player pool more same. consistently. Same same here. Um, last thing before we wrap it, wrap it up, and I'll let you decide if you want to talk about this. Cool. Do you want to talk about the haters? Uh, which, <laughs> it's very broad. The bowtie haters. <laughs> Are you talking about D-Led? I'm not talking about anyone specific. Yeah, so you're talking but about bow ties aren't cool. So should we just go through all of this the uh, the Twitter? Uh, if you want to, we uh, don't want to go through this too long. Anyways, or so, do you just wanted to gener- generalize the statements and uh, and and without mentioning names? No, we can mention names. I mean, you know, I think uh, you know the uh, the Falcons beat writer. D. Orlando Ledbetter. Beat writer. That's who he is. No, you're right. First of all, how when, when do you reach the point where you a letter can be your first name, where you can just be D. Orlando Ledbetter? J. Sam Jones tries to pull this off too. I think it's ridiculous. You have to earn to first just have a first to have a letter. What do you think? It, what do you think? You have got to be a much better journalist. Never mind. I don't want to go this route. Do not do not tweet at us what you think the D stands for. <laughs> Um, he encroached the D uh, Alejandro Bedoya Alejandro Bedoya anyways before we so basically I don't know if he quote tweeted or something about after the uh, US Open Cup final and said something to the degree of I don't care about minor league uh, minor league soccer or something like that um and, uh, but, but the, 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 the thing is that he should have been just upfront about everything he doesn't care about soccer Minor league, major league, whatever. Yeah, he doesn't care about soccer. That's that's the that's so cool. I, I I'm ignoring the hell out of him and everyone else that ignoring the comments because I've seen yeah. I, I, I didn't other, do a good job of that. I, I, I have other got pe- in there. I know other people that are that are kind of um, on that same kind of with that same kind of mentality that I'm that I'm good friends with here at the radio station. And I don't really harbor ill will against them or anything like that because of what they said. It's their opinion. Um, I. Obviously, I don't agree with it, but that's just I, I'm not going to get upset about it because I know that they don't care about the sport itself. So if they don't care, why am I going to? Pay right. to why am I going to give them the attention? You're that, right, that, that, and that, I, that they matter to I the totally, people that do like the sport. And if you look at because uh, they don't. If you look at his Twitter timeline, he has by far the most engagement going yeah, after absolutely. Atlanta United. I mean, uh That's the one thing you know, you've learned I mean, from Atlanta United. Well, well yeah, with Atlanta United specifically is you don't wanna you you don't wanna be you you don't wanna be outside the club and say something bad about the about about the sport, Here's, the team and the and the culture that is Atlanta United. You're absolutely right. I, and I, and I, look I I usually don't take the bait on these. This one pissed me off. Uh here's why it pissed me off. I don't you know, I don't care that uh 
you know, if you don't care about soccer, that's fine. If you uh, that's, where, that's where I left it. Even if you don't want to put Atlanta United's trophy on the same plane as a Falcons or a potential Hawks or a potential Braves championship, I'm fine with that too. What I don't like is people calling MLS minor league. I think there's a real problem. Americans do a very poor job of looking globally and seeing outside of their bubbles. And the reality is, especially in sports, the NFL has played in one country in the world. Legitimate, there is and one. No one else cares. Yeah, I mean, maybe a few no people one else care. Cares. Maybe a few people care, right? Uh, Major League Baseball is uh, very popular in the Americas and in Japan. Hockey is in Canada, uh, and I there are a few people in the U.S. that are into it. Uh, and it's in Russia. You know, those are either regional countries. or American sports. Yeah. Soccer is played all over the world. There are legitimate professional leagues, multiple tiers. I mean, I the countless, countless, so many that you might have a league like MLS that might be considered a second or third tier league. But Joseph Martinez is a class player that could still play in Europe. There are way, 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 way more good soccer players than there are American football players in any other sport in the world, for that matter. So it pisses me off when people look at MLS and they can't get out of their little American sports culture and they see it as AAA baseball or the CFL or something like that. They can't grasp their minds around the fact that soccer is this global, that it's everywhere, that even if you're in a league like MLS that is uh, even its own continent, uh, in North America, not the best league. Liga MX says there's still a ton of talent. There's still a ton of ability. So don't compare MLS just because it's a third tier league, soccer wise, to minor leagues and AAA baseball. Get out of your bubble. Do some research. The sport is global. It's played everywhere. Easily the highest participation rate of any sport in the world. Shut your mouth before you call it this minor <laughs> league soccer. So here's here's the only the rebuttal I'll 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 offer. Um, and if anyone wants to tweet this out and take it upon themselves, to, because I'm not going to do it. I like the the people that I know personally that have said stuff like that. I look. I don't. Again, I don't like hate them because of they. No, of, what of course said. I know. I'm friends I with lots. Of, I'm friends with lots of stupid people. It's I, fine. <laughs> I'm not even going to call them stupid. I don't no, agree with them, okay. but whatever. I'm not going to all of a sudden be like, oh, we're no longer friends because you don't like soccer. That's no, not, no, that's just not how I work. Just tell them they're stupid. It's fine. Um, I get called stupid all the time. But I will say that sports are about entertainment, and right now the only team that is offering that is offering the best version of that entertainment is Atlanta United. More so than the Falcons, more so than the Braves, more so than the Hawks. And if that's what it's about, you can't consider Atlanta United and what they're doing. Now maybe the league as a whole I I will let you have your opinion. But you can't consider what Atlanta United is doing for the sports culture within that soccer bubble anything less than the greatest the city has and, right now. And you have to realize that there are a ton of people that live in the city of Atlanta that are huge soccer fans yeah. that just don't, they're not inside the Falcons bubble necessarily, the Hawks bubble or the Falcons bubble. There are a ton of people that don't fit into those groups. A lot of them are not from Atlanta. I mean, you've got a lot of a large immigrant population here. So don't, I mean, don't, just to, to, to poo-poo it the way you see some people do in the media, to me it's just insecurity. I mean, uh, that, that's what it comes off as as to me, and 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 I, and I would say that, um, yeah, like you said, Eric, it's not a big deal. But I just I don't like people looking down on MLS as a league in the in the sense that it is the minors. It's not soccer is not the same 
as the sports people are comparing it to. And uh, and uh, Chris Lombardi in the in, in the YouTube chat said that he took it uh, more as as a dig at at uh, as I took it as minor league football compared to American football, not MLS as minor league itself. I think he actually goes down to double down on on it being on minor on, yeah, yeah yeah on it not being a good league, um, and. You know, whatever. It's not a big deal. It's really dumb because AJC newspapers ain't doing great. And I love how that's that's uh, the that's like the dig. Like that's why I'm a subscriber to the Athletic and not the AJC. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, like that. That would that that this is that's what D Led said is not the reason that the AJC doesn't have the subscribers it has. But the AJC does clearly commit a ton of resources to to uh, Doug Robertson, who does a great job covering Atlanta United. And and they really look the the, the city itself. The, new, the well, let's put it the, the Athletic, AJC. They don't consider that they don't consider Atlanta United a minor league sport. Minor league, no. Minor league, anything. Because so you if wonder they, why if they did. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be uh, giving Atlanta United. Well, giving, uh, adding those resources to their staff. Yeah, and and giving, uh, uh, sending Doug Robertson to every away match. Yes, as he likes to tell us yeah. every third tweet that he puts up. I, I, I just don't understand why he did it. It, it you know. Oh, you know why he did it. But what? But it's not. You know why he did it? What to to get people to, to talk get the to attention? Him? Yeah. Right. Well, someone's finally talking to you, D. Led. People but, uh, know. People now know who he is. Outside of outside of the the, if you didn't know who he was, not that people didn't know who he was. And if you did he, know who he was, you already thought he was dumb. So I, <laughs> if you know who this guy is, he, he's not. He's he is not the best beat writer out there. I'm gonna leave it at that. He he he. A hundred thousand more people know who he is now, and you might think he's dumb. And you might think he's dumb. But, but why? A hundred, a hundred. Because he's what, the, he wants the but, attention. But he's the he, he just he's wants a beat writer. He's not like I. I get it when Jeff Soltz does the, the my, thing. My, when my, the column, look, he's not my a columnist. Issue, my issue is the attention he got because of that. What should have happened? Yeah, right. He tweets that and be like, "All right, cool, bro, go do your thing." But to me, and that should have been the end of it. I was just so because surprised. Because he doesn't care. Like, why, why are we as fans of the of the league of Atlanta United? Why do we care what someone who doesn't follow the league, who doesn't watch the sport, who doesn't follow the team? Why do we care what he says? Because we're the worst. Why do we care? Proud of Why it. do we care? We're proud of it. No, I, I look because usually I don't get into this stuff with with people, but I just I just thought it was so. I was dumbfounded. Okay, so he wants attention. Is he, is he, but he, you're a beat writer. Is, is he not allowed to not like soccer? Is he allowed to of not? Of course, like he's so- not allowed to not like. But I, I just, let him not like soccer. I don't understand. I, just I don't, didn't like the I didn't like the tweet either. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was like, well, you, you, bro, come on, man. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to the rest of my day. Like, you because don't, you don't see hard news beat writers tweeting stuff out, crapping on the local team, unless you want the attention. But but, but unless but, you know what's going to happen, well, you must really suck at getting attention <laughs> if, if you cover the freaking Falcons. I mean, I just look because we this happens like every other week, and I think people overreact because the time this happened in the past, it was I mean, I remember people, everyone jumped all over Jeff Schultz. Uh, for a column he and had another person that doesn't follow the league watching follow Jeff soccer. Schultz is a columnist. He's paid to give his opinion, so it makes more sense for him to to do something like that. It doesn't make any sense at all for the Falcons beat writer to come. I, I just it, it doesn't make sense. Like like it's gonna hurt your subscriber base. It's gonna. I mean, I just what I, would I love, thought it was so, so, so weird. He, here's the deal. What I would love to see, it would be kind of petty. But what would be funny is he usually gets the first question at Falcons anything. Yeah, it's usually a terrible question. Usually gets the first question. It would be funny. Dan Quinn, Arthur Blank, 
they don't have to say anything, but just start going to someone else first. Do it. It would be funny if that just started happening. Whoever the uh, alcoholic reporter is, go to him. I, 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 would be, I would laugh if all of a sudden the lead wasn't given the first question. They don't. They give it to him because he is the fa- he is the beat reporter. It's yeah, the same reason Doug gets the first first question yeah. because there is there is one guy in the city of Atlanta that is given sure. given the job to follow AJC. that team. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Same with Doug. Doug is typically usually just takes it upon himself, but I think everyone is un- uh, everyone has yeah, he goes first. the understanding that he just goes first, and no one no one's mad at that. And it, it's it's whatever. It's part of his job. He's earned yeah. that. He's getting. You're right. I, I would assume he's getting paid more than anyone that anyone else that follows the team, based off just the nature of his job. He's getting paid more than anyone else, so let him do his job. Yeah. Next would probably be Felipe, but <laughs> no one that works for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, lot hard work and, and and low pay for. I don't for know. Most I, of I, dirty just, I just assume. Talking. I don't know. Any, I don't know anything like that. I just assume. I don't like to talk about people's money, so. <laughs> Okay, but I, uh, yeah, whatever. I just, well, I don't know. Just, I, I, would I don't say, know what this guy I, look, was doing. The next like, time this happens, and I know that people are still going to freak out, and that's fine. But because as as much as I'm saying, don't do this. You're still entitled to your opinion, and you're entitled to react the way you want to react. But if it's someone that doesn't follow the sport, doesn't care about the sport, doesn't doesn't gives gives no attention to the team, like don't you shouldn't care what he says. You shouldn't care what his opinion about something he doesn't care yeah, about. Yeah, I is. don't. I don't know why this one just triggered me so much more than the I other don't care twenty about million times this happened. I don't care about tennis, at all. I just happen to say tennis because it's on. The, it's on the thing. It's the, on the, the TV. television. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. If I said falling apart if, here. If, if I what he should have tweeted out to begin with, it was stupid and petty. He doesn't care because he's just doing it for the attention. But why would anyone that follows tennis, cares about tennis, loves tennis, care about what I have to say about tennis? Your reaction should be, all right, whatever. I just, it's not and, that I and care what day. he had to say. It's you just do that. You care what he said. No, no, because that, that has happened a million times already. I care that you literally just said the most millennial thing. It's like I don't know why I was so triggered. No, I, <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm, I will happily admit to being a millennial for better or worse. But all, my issue is the position that he holds in the media. It doesn't make any sense to do that. It makes total sense for Jeff Schultz or Steve Hummer columnists who are paid to give their opinion. It makes sense for them to troll or, or just to give their opinion. It doesn't make sense. He reports the news. What I would he like doesn't to give see, his opinion. What I would like to see is it's so, so is, weird. Is someone like and us, totally unprovoked? Someone like Home Before Dark. Someone like Soccer Down Here. Maybe the the sports station. That uh, covers the Great Atlanta United to bring him on and have a conversation about this. Make him defend his point because I think if you make him defend what he's trying to say and you bring up good counterpoints, like the fact that Atlanta United is the the, the number one entertainment thing in Atlanta right now, regardless of sport, you can't talk about that. You can't talk that way about the Falcons because as much as everyone loves the Falcons as much as NFL reigns here sure the money might go there but in terms of entertainment value it's a funeral every time you go to the No Falcons I mean game. every almost every single person has told me I've had the most fun at a live sporting event Atlanta United, Atlanta United. in the last you know you cannot, consistently You cannot deny that you bring that up all of a sudden his, his uh, you, you you force him to defend his 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 position Well maybe a uh... Yeah, Someone I, have the, it, the testicular fortitude to bring him on. Maybe it's just a, a insecurity thing, man. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I, it, like I said, 
I, it makes no sense for I, I this say, to come I from say, him. I say someone have the testicular fortitude, and yet we're probably... You know what? I know I pissed we're, we're me off. I know it. I pissed me, like, me off. I'm so... so American we, we football... also do not have the testicular fortitude to do it. Oh, we could bring him on. I mean... I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do I don't, that. I don't, I don't... I mean, I'm not too interested in what he has to say, uh, but... Um, I think that's more the reason I don't want to do it, because I... Like, whatever he says, I'm be like, all right, well, see, cool, that's it's, your opinion. It's football season, and these, these football people are, are coming out of the, the woods that just, you know, think this is the best sport in the world, even though people getting their brains bashed in and um, and uh, it's not popular in any other country in the world and, you know so I just that's what pissed me off I think is this this whole BS you know masculinity is, so thing surrounding there, there, American tackle football there is uh, so in terms of entertainment value at Wayne United might be king right now um, in terms of relevance the D-led tweets Sorry, not the tweets. But really what he's trying to say is that the relevance that Atlanta United has in the sports world in Atlanta is not the highest. Well, he could, if he, and if he had that's, phrased that, that, is, that properly yeah, that as a, a fact. A, if, he had, if he had written that properly as a journalist might, then I would say, okay, well, that's a nice little nuanced opinion. Instead, he gives you a crap hot take about what yes. real football is. Go to any other country in the world and why don't you ask them what real football is and see what they say. Um Anyways, whatever. I, we've talked this to death. I, 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 you, you made me really angry again just talking about this. <laughs> um, Real football is not No, I'm sorry. Elliot Beaven says that it needs, be, it needs to be uh, uh, D-Led and, and Jason Longshore. No, that, that debate would be too civil. No, Jason is way too nice. Way too civil. But even Jason clapped back Except on Except that John. John, you need to fire back, bro. John Nelson, go ahead. John him. Nelson, you need to fire back. <laughs> Don't let Jason walk all over me, my friend. Fire back every now and then. <laughs> oh, fire back at Jason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never. Ha- yeah, right. <clears throat> well, Don't let him walk over you. Jason, stop bullying John. This, this is, d- d- let's call it what it is. Jason, stop bullying John. Bully D-Led. Find the right person to bully. D-Led. Bully him. Even Jason clapped back on D-Led's tweet, too. Uh, anyways. I saw that, too. But again, very civil. Very which that's the only thing you can expect from Jason Longshore, which is which is like I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. I'm, like that's the way to do it, oh, especially on a, on a on a on a public forum like that. You want to be as civil as possible. Yeah. But for the, but for the point that I'm trying to make about him have, forcing him to defend his points, you, I'm not saying you need to be an a hole, but it doesn't it can't be civil. I mean, he kind of defended himself on civil. Twitter, but it was it was it was just kind of a doubling down, and it was kind of a cultural. Ignorance, where he just it, it comes from a place of oh that's not real football, which is objectively wrong, and that I that that's that's my that's my issue with it's it. The American way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, which is you know, <laughs> there's no other there, America's the world. Nothing goes on outside. Of the, anyways, all right. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I can't decide if I'm glad you're back or not, but. You're here, and we're just you're, you're you know we back. just have, we just have to move on together, y'all. And we can uh, we've proven that we can overcome Eric when we when we work together as one. I believe that the people are glad I'm back. The people see me as someone who has reversed the curse, and good things. You reversed the curse. How and, dare you? And good things are coming for wow. Atlanta United. You're gonna take responsibility. Okay. All right. Wow. I I went away wow. for two weeks, and wow. look what this club has done. Wow. If that's yeah, not when me, you were gone. If that's not me, I, that's that's selflessness. Anyways, the the key is this: we know now that we can defeat Eric together, 
as one. So let's you know. Hey, look, if you guys want to start GoFundMe, I'll go back every other week. The Mots, <laughs> let's, the, let's, the Mots, the Mots ha- community came together. Patreon.com slash MOTS podcast. Make sure you donate uh, at, at very large numbers. And Send I will, Eric I will home. Happily Ooh, that's travel. not a good thing to say in today's political climate. I meant... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, send him back. <laughs> uh, anyways, that didn't come off as I wanted, but you all understand this. This is not a. Uh, so now you know that uh, this is for Josh this Bagger is for our club. Is pro Trump? <laughs> Just go through my social media, and you will see that that's not true. But in this case. Send it back. This, this is this this is not about politics. This is about our club. This is about our club. Club over Eric. Well said in the chat. Look again. You want to send the money? Feel free. Feel free to uh, donate to the podcast, and I will happily take as many trips as. And you can, can follow Eric on Twitter and I will, and, and I will abuse be gone. him too. I will be. I will leave for the full stretch of the playoffs if you guys pay for it. If you, what's your, are you Eric G. Quintana on Twitter? Eric G. Quintana. At Eric G. Quintana. If you're not following him already, just just give him hell. Because I really think when we fight back together, that's what we learned oh. these last two weeks. We can we can we can reverse okay, the curse. Okay, so let's do this for for next week. I'll read off mean tweets. Yes. No. I. Good. I'll read off mean tweets, especially of Philadelphia. So instead of the, instead of the squid, instead of the uh, the 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 smiley faces, whatever we used to do, send me mean tweets. About my bad luck, about me being back, about me being a hurt, curse, or whatever you want to send me mean tweets about. At Eric G. Quintana. And I will happily, ha- happily, happily read them to start the show next week. Sounds good. You can follow me at JoshB914 on Twitter. You can send me your nice tweets. At MOTS Podcast. If you want to follow the podcast and aren't following it already, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We see... Uh, we stream all the YouTube... Come on, let's, let's uh, finish up, yeah, Eric. You got uh, this, Almost man. done. You got this. We stream all the uh, podcasts on YouTube, so if you're not uh, watching us, um, make sure you're f- subscribing on on YouTube, on the channel, so that you can get the updates and find out when we are going live. We also tweet out a bit beforehand uh, to give you enough, a, a good a good head start to uh, what's going on later that night. Uh, again, we await to see what Atlanta United, Atlanta United does against the Philadelphia Union. Big match this weekend. I will be at a birthday party, so I don't know if I will be watching, which I don't know if that's good or bad for... I'm doubling up with a fantasy football draft, so... There you go. The, everyone in that I, draft no, is going to be really pissed off at I'm me. I'm for sure going to be sneaking away and, and like catching... Yeah. catching we, so we both match. plan to pay absolutely no attention no, to... No, uh, no. That's not what I Whose birthday party is it? It's a friend of mine. Oh, a friend? Okay. All right. Enjoy plus, yourself. Plus personal friend. Oh, it's a grown-up though. It's not like a kid. Oh no, no, so no. You can yeah, separate, uh, you, so you can separate yourself and. Oh yeah, I'll have, yeah. I'll have a few beers. I just might not be tweeting or anything like that. Well, y'all can tweet at Eric and just Do maybe it. he'll never come back to Mean Twitter tweets. or come back at all. Uh, make sure you're checking out the radio show every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Atlanta Sports X, 106. So yeah, 106.3 FM, 103.7 FM. Either one of those channels, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, you can listen to me. Sometimes Josh, sometimes Sam, sometimes all of us together. But always you. Always Always Eric. Unless I'm in Uruguay. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. That does it for us. Until next time. See you later, Lana. (laughs) 